All right, we're going to do something a little different this week. Let's put up uh, Romans 12. We are going to go through. If I'm not, if I have to be here till anchor starts, we're going to get through the entire chapter today. Kind of, it's kind of like uh, one time I saw a comedian one time who described people who would leave messages on their answering machine. And after I heard this, I, sure enough, I would have, get these answers. Back in the day when all you got is the answer, you listen to the answer, you know, nowadays they tell you their phone number, when they called, what they had for breakfast, you know, the, the, the machine does, you know. And so... I actually had some of these phone calls. I'm not going to tell you who they were unless you ask me later. But the comedian would say this. This is the phone call. Hello, it's me. Fill in the blank. I am calling... And I'm asking if you could possibly call me back. My number is blah, 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 blah. You know, <laughs> it's like if you, I've actually got some of those messages. It's just like you're like, get on with it, get on with it. And then when they start the number, it's like, <laughs> I have no idea what they said. Well, that's maybe what it's like today going through Romans 12. It's like 12 1. 12, 2, 12, 12, 3, 12, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9. <laughs> we'll see what we're going to do. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we worship you. Lord Jesus, we worship you. Holy Spirit, we worship you. We worship you, Heavenly Father, in spirit and in truth. We bless you. We thank you, Lord, for everything that you've done for us. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Well, let's just look at Romans 12, 1. It's kind of a review, but I got a little something that I want to talk about. Uh, I have been thinking to myself about this beginning of this verse, and this is a review, I understand. Some of you never heard this before. But it was a shocker for me. When I discovered, or by research, and mainly, I, to be honest with you, it was one of Chuck Smith's teachings, that I, I got a sermon on Romans 12 from him, and he started off where it says, I beseech you therefore, brethren. And that word beseech has a number of translations you might be able to use to implore. One of them is I'm begging you. Uh, pleading with you, and of course, beseech, and there are others. And uh, something that I never thought about before is Chuck Smith said it and said, this is God talking. I was wondering, wait, mate, this is Paul talking. And then I thought, wait a minute, if it's by inspiration of God, though Paul is saying it, it is still God. And he's saying... I'm begging you. 
Now he's talking to Christians, Paul's talking to Christians that have basically come through Romans 1 through 11 and they're mature Christians and yet God is saying, I'm begging you. And I'll tell you that quite frankly, there's been times when I've fallen back and say, oh God, you're God. You don't have to beg. And then I would say to myself, uh, well, wait a minute, this is, this is Paul by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. This is the word of God. And it's, God says, I'm begging you. And then I, uh, I thought of this when I uh, was thinking of John the 13th chapter where Jesus is going to wash the disciples' feet. And Peter says, you're not going to wash my feet. And why did Peter say that? It's like, you're Lord. You can't get down on your knees and wash my feet. That's humiliating. You know, yes, it's humbling, but humiliating. And sometimes I thought, as I've even prayed this or thought this, that God would beg me to do this. I said, no, you're not going to wash my feet, God. And then I realized that God's begging me. There's a, a song that I've liked. It's a secular song. I think it's one of Bonnie Raitt's songs. And it's, I guess you could classify it as a love song. It's more could be probably classified as an unloved song. And the chorus goes like this. Uh, I can't make you love me if you don't. You can't make your heart feel something it won't. That's what the chorus is. I can't make you love me if you don't. And I hear the same thing from God in this. I be, I'm begging you. My, my, you know, he says, my brethren, because that's Paul saying it. But God is saying, I'm begging you. That you present your body's a living offering to me. It says sacrifice. Word is closer to offering. And I'm thinking, Lord, I don't want to have to be begged to present myself as an offering to you. And it not only says that, it says, I therefore, by the mercies of God. A lot of translation says, because of what I have done for you, or because of what God has done for you. What I have done, because of what has he done for me? He died for me. You know, I was talking about, this is a correction on my part. I had heard that the first electronic message was sent by Samuel Morris. And I had made the statement that it was from Philadelphia to New York. And actually, in all actuality, it was sent from Washington, D.C. to Baltimore. And it was by telegraph. It was the very first message sent by electronics or electricity. And it was, I, I looked it up, and I said that Samuel Morris sent this message. 
In reality, and when I looked it up in Wikipedia, it wasn't Samuel Morris that sent the message. It was his partner who helped invent the telegraph. And I can't remember his name right now, but he sent it back. And the message was Numbers 23:23. And it's right at the bottom of the message. It's written, it's, uh, it's about... Um, the prophet and here I'm having another senior moment Um, the one that had the donkey talk to him Balaam 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 was hired by this guy Balak to curse Israel and you should know the story about when he was on his way to do this and the donkey uh, sees this angel with a sword <laughs> instead of going forward runs out into a field and Balaam hits his donkey takes the donkey back on path and the next thing you know they're on a path where there's rocks on both sides there's, there's nowhere to go but straight and there the angel is again, and the angel has his sword, and the donkey just collapses right there on the spot. And Balaam pops his, hits him another time in the head. So the donkey, the angel's gone, the donkey goes on a little further, and third time there's this angel with the sword. And he pops him again because he stops. And the donkey says, why are you hitting me? And uh, Balaam says, because you're not doing what I told you to do. And then all of a sudden, Balaam's eyes are open. He sees the angel and he goes like, he says, why are you hitting your donkey? You know, like, like why? Uh, because he wouldn't do what I said. He saved your life is what he did. All that. I didn't mean to get into that. But after it's all over, he decides that he cannot curse Israel. Balaam. And there's a very famous, besides uh, what I'm going to share, there's a very famous verse that we all know that when Balaam tells Balak why he's not going to curse Israel. And he says this. God is not a man that he should lie. Neither the son of man that he shall repent. Shall he not, hath he said it and shall he not do it? Hath he spoken, shall it not come to pass? Behold, I have received commandment to bless from God. And God, and I cannot reverse it. So he's got a commandment to bless. Anyway, he goes on to pronounce how great or what great things God has done for Israel. And he says this. What, at the end of this blessing, what hath God wrought? Sounds like a question, doesn't it? What hath God wrought? That's King James. Other translation says, look what God has done for Israel. Now this is the first transmission from Baltimore back to Washington was what hath God wrought 
or look what God has done. So I just wanted to correct that, that it was not Morris, but his friend that sent the word back. Look what God hath done. You think possibly he might have known where that was heading? I mean, to the smartphones and all the things that there are today. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, look what God has done for you. You not only, everything you have is because of God. And not only does everything you have because of God, everything you have that is good, every good gift and every perfect gift cometh down from the Father of lights, cometh down through Jesus Christ. Because it says, he says this, He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him given us all things? Or give us all things. Which is like having given us all things. All things beautiful. I was driving through the country the other day and I was just praising God and saying, Boy, God, you are something else. Man, this is so beautiful, New York State. Look what God has done. What hath God wrought? Look what he has done. And he says, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies. That word present actually means to, for your use. Or as Wesley would say, as you wish. For those of you who don't know what I'm talking about, there was a movie Princess Bride, I want to give, tell you a little bit about that movie. Didn't do so well at the box office, but after it was made in 19, uh, it was released in the box office in 1987. But it just like, was kind of like fell on as a dud. But about two, three years after it became to where you could get it in video, it became like one of the wa- most watched movies of all time. And of course, one of the most memorized my daughter Amy has the entire movie memorized. She was about 12 years old when that came out. And she can quote that thing. As a matter of fact, we got the, lyric, uh, the words to it one time. And he, she went through them and said, oh, no, this is wrong. No, 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 this is wrong. <laughs> and sure enough, we watched the movie and she was right. And whatever was, who put the words out was wrong. Bethany knew it too. Bethany. She's going like you. Beth- Bethany was a little bit smaller though. She had the script. There were some amazing songs in that. I want to just share one thing with you. This is something I just was looking up recently to, to, about it. I and most of the, the movie memorized too because of my daughters watched it so much. No cursing in it, no violence. It was just one of the most wholesome movies you could ever watch. And it was one of the funniest movies you could ever watch. And the guy that played the villain, the prince, in Princess Bride, they, met, they filmed it in England, and he uh, would call home. And he would be telling them about everything that happened. He's got a little five-year-old, a little three-year-old girl. five, and He would be telling them, Oh, Daddy, we're doing this and we're doing that and all this is happening. And there's a giant in the... Andre the Giant played in it. And there's a giant in it. 
And so from that point on, every time he called, these little girls would say, Daddy, is the, are, you, are you with the giant? Do you see the giant? That's all they could think about. The giant, the giant, the giant. Every time. So finally he brought them over from America to England. And they were like, Daddy, can we see the giant? Can we see the giant? And so he took them out there to where Andre was in a, was in a trailer. I mean, it was a huge trailer. <laughs> Very high, you know, because he's like seven foot seven, you know, <clears throat> and he's big. And so he took him into the trailer and they walked in and they saw him sitting there. I can only imagine he's probably sitting in the chair that Edith sat in and, and laugh in, sat in. And his little girl, his three year old girl looked at her and went, I didn't want to do it in the microphone. Screaming as loud as you could. Ah! And then the five-year-old. Ah! And then they'd stop. And they'd go. Ah! And finally, he just said, he got him out of there. Then he went back later and he apologized to Andre the Giant for their behavior. And he says, they either come to me or run from, they either come to me or run from me. I wonder if that's what God is like. They either come to me or run to me. How many times, how many verses do we talk about where it says, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies. How many verses talk about coming? We sing so many of them today. I had an experience this morning, which was like, maybe it was just for me. Maybe you can be blessed by it. But boy, I was really blessed by it. Because I was thinking of this sermon and I was thinking of the, the verses like where Jesus says, they say, where do you dwell? He says, come and see. Then he says to his disciples, come follow me. Then he says, come with me. He says, come and dine is another one that we use. The, the, the hymn, come all ye faithful. Uh, come home. Now, this is a song that when I was little in Abilene, Texas... Every time, this is a Southern Baptist church, every time it was come time for the close, the pastor would lead in this song, you know. Oh, let's see. Um, and I, I've only sung it 500 times, and here I go blank on it. Mm, softly and tenderly, Jesus is calling. Calling for you and for me, earnestly, tenderly, Jesus is calling, calling, oh sinner, come home, come home, come home, ye who are weary, come home. Beautiful, beautiful song. Amen? Come home, come home. The verses come from uh, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. Come, come. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. What was, you know what was amazing? I was just, just thinking of that verse, and I was singing it. 
to the Lord, to myself, come and singing it to the Lord. And I had just put on television to the weather channel to see what the weather was like. And this has happened. This happened this morning. You can, you can, I don't know if you can go back and some see the programs. But you can figure out just exactly when it happened. Because I was singing that song. And all of a sudden, the weather gal says, Look what happened in that video in Abilene, Texas. I'm singing a song that I used to sing in Trinity Baptist Church in Abilene, Texas. And it says, look at this. And the sky was going, choo, choo, choo. lightning and flashing. It was the most incredible light show you'd ever sing. And I'm singing, softly and tenderly, Jesus is calling. What are the odds? Oh, about 100%, I guess. But what are the odds of that happening? Uh, for me, it was a big blessing. That's not the one I really wanted to talk to you about, but I'll tell you in a minute. Uh, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercy because of what God has done for you, that you present yourself. A living, a, it says a living sacrifice. That all, this reminded me of uh, the Battle Hymn of the Republic. Remember that song? We used to, they used to sing, uh, As he died to make men holy, let us die to make men free. And the church changed those words. At least where I was going to church. The church sang, changed those words to, As he died to make men holy, let us live to make men free. Sometimes it's easier to die than it is to live. And so this is a living sacrifice. A living offering. Holy, acceptable unto God. Which is your reasonable service. Next verse, please. Be not conformed to this world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Be not conformed. Stay on this one for a while, okay? Be not conformed to this world. That's a different ver different word than the root word that comes from transformed. Because there's a, a word that is conformed and transformed and uh, comes from the word formed. Which is different than that word conformed. This word conformed here is... Uh, basically making yourself conformed or uh, to the fashion yourself like the world. Whereas this is be not, be ye transformed. That's the word simorphe. There's another verse in another, another uh, in, in uh, Romans 8 where it says we're to be conformed to the image of Christ. We've been predestined to be conformed to the image of Christ. That is word uh, um, metamorphe. So they all come from the word morphe, which means to form, which is what Jesus said, or what God said in Philippians 2, where it says, let this mind be in, uh, be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the morphe of God, form of God, did not grasp to be equal with God. 
So the, all the words come, the transform comes to morphe. But the one re- referring to the world is a different word. And it means to fashion oneself or to pre- present oneself to, the, to be fashioned after the world. Now I said I was going to talk about uh, Princess Bride again. There was a character in Princess Bride. The actor's name was uh, Mandy Panikin. I got it written down. Panikim. Panikim. The emphasis on the second syllable. Well, he doesn't deserve to have his name pronounced right. P A T. Pat. M. I M. K I M. Pantim Kim. Sorry, Mandy. He's been a lot of things. He actually left Broadway to go play in The Princess Bride. And after the results of came out about its original, original after it released, he thought he'd made a mistake. But he comments on, on there's so many quotes in that Princess Bride. And he is going to fight, sword fight this guy. And uh, I, I could go into detail, but I just want to get to the root, uh, the, 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 the message. He's going to sword fight this guy. And before they fight, he says, uh, you don't happen to have six fingers on your right hand, do you? And Wesley, the guy says, do you always start conversations this way? He says, no, he says, when I was 10 years old, a man came to my father, who was, my, my father was a great sword uh, maker, sword maker. And he says a man came and he hired him to make this special sword for him. But when he came to retrieve it, he only was willing to pay one-tenth the price that it was, that it was worth. And so when the, my father refused, he pulled out his sword and slashed my father through the heart. I immediately challenged him, but he let me live. But before he did, he put this scar on me and this scar on me. He says, since that time, he says, I failed when I fought him. But since that time, I've done nothing but study swordplay, fencing. So that the next time I face him, I will look at him and say, Hello, my name is Inigo Montoya. You kill my father. Prepare to die. And so he, through the entire movie, that's what he's looking for. But at the end of the movie, toward the end of the movie, he comes in contact with the six-fingered man. And so he sees him and he starts to chase him. And the guy runs into a room and he runs in after him. And the guy throws a dagger and sticks him in the stomach. And then he says... You're that little brat, a Spanish brat that says, oh, how sad this is. You've all my, you searched all your life to get even with me and now you failed again. And he sticks a sword in here and sword in him and he looks like he's dying. And then he goes, hello, my name is Inigo Montoya. You killed my father, now prepare to die. And he gets up and he says, hello. My name is Inigo Montoya. You killed my father, now prepare to die. And he, 
Hello. And he's, you know, he, he says, stop saying that. And he goes all the way through and he ends up killing the six-fingered man. Now we get to the end of it. And uh, Wesley says to him, what, what are you going to do now? And he says, you know, it's very strange. He says, I've spent most of my life seeking revenge. And now that I've gotten it, I don't know what to do with my life now. Now, why is that interesting? When they interviewed Mandy about his comment, his uh, line, Hello, my name is Inigo Montoya. You killed my father. Prepare to die. And he says, everybody wants to hear me say that. Everybody thinks that's a great line. And then he says, I've spent my whole life seeking revenge. And after I got it, I don't know what to do next. What a waste. What a waste of a life. I like, I like movies. I, I, I do. And you know what movies I like the most? Is movies where the bad guy gets it. Oh boy, I, I, all my life, I love it when a bad guy gets his, you know. I love it, uh, you know, uh, the one that was just out, Bruce Willis, was a remake. Uh, what was that called? Uh, uh, Charles, what's his name? Oh, come on. Death Wish. Death Wish. I didn't even, I didn't even go see it. I knew what was going to happen. Because I seen the original ones, you know, and the bad guy. It's a, it's a guy who isn't getting justice from mankind, so he gets it himself. And then he starts helping other people and he starts getting them. You know, and I just love it when a bad guy gets his. It's like I watched the whole movie and when uh, the six finger man got it, oh, it was like, yes. I, I, it's not that I love revenge, it's just that I love seeing a bad guy get it. It's just one problem with that. That's being conformed to this world. You know what God says? Be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Now we're going to move. For I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. But to think soberly according as God has dealt to every man the measure of faith. Next verse. Keep moving please. For as we have many members in one body and all members have not the same office. You know, we're many members, one body, all members. Now, now, he's going into detail how to present your body a living sacrifice, okay? So we being many, many members in one body in Christ, and everyone members one of another, having then, their, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, whether prophecy, now he's going to name seven particular gifts here. You might know about the nine gifts that are in 1 Corinthians 12. And well, here it has seven, what they call, what most teachers call, motive gifts. Now, what's a motive gift? 
A motive gift is what motivates you. What has God deposited within you that causes you to be motivated to present your body a living sacrifice, a holy offering? So he says there's never seven of them. Having then their gifts differing according to the grace that is given unto you, whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith. Or ministry, now ministry means serving. Or ministry, let us wait on our serving. Or he that teacheth on teaching. Or he that exhorteth on exhortation. He that gives, there's a... There's a, a, a gift of God that is in some people that have a gift of giving. It says, that he that giveth, let him do it with simplicity. He that ruleth, ruleth with diligence. He that shows mercy with cheerfulness. You know, it's interesting. Prophecy and mercy are the exact opposite. As far as the gifts. Mercy is, oh, poor baby. Prophecy says, well, he should have never done that in the first place, you know. Or prophecy says, it's, it's, a prophet is black and white. Everything's black and white, black and white, black and white. The mercy thing, mercy person, you know who's a good, mer- who is a good mercy person that we know around here? Rodney. Rodney. A mercy person is... Everything is gray. <laughs> there is no black and white. Everything is gray, you know. Then it says, let love be without dissimulation. Interesting word. Uh, I think some scriptures say hypocrisy, doesn't it? And it's that, even that word is a kind of interesting. It's like an acting word. But this word is, is really interesting. It's like a, a, a spark of ne- negativity. That's what this means. A spark of negativity. Let love be without a spark of negativity. Abhor that which is evil. Cleave to that which is good. Be kindly affectioned. Another interesting word. Be kindly. The word affection is the Greek word storge. Storge means sheltering love. Storge means family love. When you are a family and you have someone that is in, that, that is a, a hurting somehow, has a disability, or a, a, whether it's physical or mental or wh- whatever, the family surrounds that person with love. And that's what this word, be kindly affection one to another with brotherly love. In honor, preferring one another. Not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Patient in tribulations. Continuing instant in prayer. Disturbing. Distributing. Disturbing. (laughs) Distributing. I knew that didn't sound right. Distributing to the necessity of saints. Given to hospitality. Bless them which persecute you. This is something Jesus says. Bless them which persecute you. Bless and curse not. Rejoice with them that do rejoice. Weep with them that weep. 
be of the same mind toward one another. Mind not high things, but condescend to men of low degree or low estate. Be not wise in your own conceit. That's a proverb. Be not wise in your own eyes. Recompense to no man evil for evil. Now we're going to get down to the nitty gritty. Recompense no to no man evil for evil. Pro- provide things honest in the sight of all men. If it be possible as much lieth in you. Live peaceably with all men. Dearly beloved avenge not yourselves. But rather give place unto wrath. That word actually I, I wondered about this translation give place unto wrath but what it means is God's wrath and most translations say it that way give 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 place to God to be wrathful but you avenge not yourselves but rather give place unto wrath for it is written vengeance is mine I will repay saith the Lord you see God wants us to forgive one another. We're talking about presenting ourselves. Part of this presenting ourselves to God is is a prayer thing. Is in prayer. One of the translations say to present oneself, or, or at least in the Greek, to present oneself at their disposal. So if you present yourself to God, you're presenting yourself to, at his disposal. That's why I said, as you wish, well ago. Now here's something important. You know, I talked about presenting yourself. Leave this verse up. I'm not. Th- I, I I don't want you to think I'm done here. Okay. But last week I was talking about how to present yourself as a living sacrifice because there's two things that God wants to do in presenting yourself. One is come, come. You come to Him. How do you like that so- Christian song? Come to the table. You listen to that? I love that song, Come to the Table. God says, come to me. I'm begging you to. And when he says, come to me, he's talking about worshiping, praising him, loving him with all your heart, mind, body, soul, and spirit. I love you, Lord, with all my my body, soul, and spirit. But then when you come to him, if you present yourself to him as a sacrifice, as an offering, a living sacrifice, then... You are ready to go. You see, before God wants to send you, okay, before He can send you, you have to present yourself. Present. You see, and God wants to send you. He wants to send you. That's you come now. I want you to go. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to the poor. Go in my name. Whomsoever had, you know, there's a verse in uh, chapter 13 and 14 that talks about where, where God says, where Jesus says, as he has sent me, so I send you. As Father, Father sends me, so I send you. It says that twice. And if you go, if you are... <laughs> Go in my name. You are going in his name too. So you go into the presence of God to be sent by Jesus. By Jesus Christ and the Father. He's going to commission. That word 
sent is uh, we talked about this last week you get the word apostle from it the word apostle means sent one it is actually apostolos the word for sent of send you same word send you it's apostolos and so god wants to send you but see there's something that's here though we are forgiven by the blood of jesus christ Though we come to the presence of the Lord in his name. There are some things that we need to understand that is going to hinder us from fellowshipping with God. Did you know that the definition of the word sin actually means whatever interferes with your fellowship with God. With your communion with God. Same word, koinonia. Whatever interferes with your relationship with God. And when you go to the Lord, yes, you come by the blood of Jesus, you come with thanksgiving in your heart, but there's something that I didn't mention last week. You, cu- you cannot come into his presence with unforgiveness in your heart. <clears throat> That's what Jesus said. If you come to the altar and there remember that your brother has ought against you, leave the altar. Leave, it's like leave yourself before the altar and go and first be reconciled to your brother and then you can come and offer your gift. Or in the Lord's Prayer, O uh, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Then it says, and forgive us our trespasses. As we forgive those who trespass against us. What a statement. Do you really want to give God that? Do you really want to say that to God? Oh, thank you. You knew that was bugging me, didn't you? Yes, I did. Oh, thank you so much. When you stand praying, Jesus said, forgive if you have ought against any. If you don't, if you have... If you, have, if you have unforgiveness in your heart, it's not that God says, well, I'm not going to see you then. It's just that you render yourself disqualified. Oh, yes, God forgives you. You're washed by the blood. You have robes of righteousness. But you are hindering yourself. It's interesting when he says, the servant of the Lord must not strive But be gentle unto all men, apt to teach, means ready to teach, enabled to teach. You are able to teach. If God, peradventure, give them repentance unto the acknowledging of the truth. And what's interesting about that verse, it says, The servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach, instructing those who oppose. And some translations say themselves. Some translations say God. Which one do you think it is? The answer is yes. When you have, if you have an got repentance in your heart you oppose yourself you're not only opposing God you oppose yourself if you have unconfessed sin you oppose yourself and part of that is you oppose yourself it's like unforgiveness is like they say it's like giving somebody else poison 
and, and thinking, uh, it's, 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 excuse me, it's like taking poison and thinking it's going to kill the other person. It's poison. It's poison to yourself. Unforgiveness. You need to forgive. Therefore, if your enemy... Let's go back the verse before that, please. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourself. That includes unforgiveness. But rather, give place to God's wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, saith the Lord. That's his problem. That's his affair. You have no business for, with unforgiveness in your heart. And you hinder yourself from presenting yourself to God as a servant of God. Somebody say amen. Vengeance is mine. I will repay. You know, I, I, I kid around too much sometimes. I know I do. But I know that I used to say it like this. Just, just kidding around. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. <laughs> no, it's his. <laughs> you know, let's look at this next verse. I've got to tell you something about this. The next verse. If your enemy be hungry, give him... This is from the Old Testament, by the way. If your enemy be hungry, give, uh, feed him. If he be thirsty, give him drink. For in doing so, you shall heap coals of fire on his head. Eddie Duncan, my chaplain back at Teen Challenge, when he would do counseling on the side. And there was this gal that came into him for counseling about how her husband is this, 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 and just had so many negative things to say about her husband. And so, thinking that she was a Christian and knew the word of God, Eddie Duncan says, well, heap coals of fire on his head. <laughs> Meaning, feed him you know, bless him, okay? He says, he coals of fire on his head. And she said, well, I poured boiling water all over him and it didn't do any good. <laughs> true story, true story. Next verse. Be not overcome with evil, but overcome evil with good. We think about this verse, be not overcome with evil. Man, we got to, you know how, you know what evil, being overcome with evil is not forgiving someone. That's being overcome with evil. But instead of being overcome with evil, bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you. Pray for them which do. Love your enemies. Be not overcome with evil, but overcome evil with good. Next verse. Is there more? There's no more? Huh. Well, there ought to be. Amen. How, <laughs> how many of are you with me on this? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you said when we stand praying, forgive. We stand praying right now. That's a decision on your part to forgive. Forgive if you have ought against any. If you have something against anybody on the face of the earth, forgive them. Forgive them. Vengeance is God's. He will repay. Hello? Pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute. Bless them that curse you. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them 
which hate you. Hello? Thank you, Lord. Amen. One of my favorite John Wayne, well, my favorite John Wayne movie is Angel and the Bad Man. One of his first movies. And John Wayne gets shot and he's come upon by this Quaker family and they take him in and they heal him back to, to uh, health. And they, they won't allow his gun to be in the house and you know, he's a gunfighter, well-known gunfighter. So he's recovering and he's falling in love with the daughter, Angel and the bad man. And so he finds out that they don't have water because their neighbor dammed it up. And so he says, uh, so what did you do about it? He says, don't, don't tell me, you prayed. She says, well, of course we prayed. He says, well, did it get you water? She said, oh, we didn't pray for water. We prayed for our neighbor. Because that hurt his spirit. We didn't care about the water. We cared about our neighbor. So he goes over to visit the neighbor. (laughs) Famous gunfighter. And he tells them to open up that water. (laughs) He says, who's saying so? And they look at him and says, Quart Evans, you know, and he, that's his name. And he's a famous gunfighter. And they go, he goes, lifts up the saddle and it's got the initials on there. You know, and he goes, why, sure. <laughs> I didn't mean to hold the water in anyways. And he releases the water and he says, uh, now, come, you're coming with me to your neighbor to apologize. <laughs> So the guy goes to the neighbor and he's like fearing for his life the whole time. And he apologizes. And uh, meanwhile, the neighbor's wife, the Quaker's wife, takes the guy in, lances a boil on his neck, patches it up, gives him a bunch of pies and cakes and bread and everything to take back to his home, you know. And then he says, you know, uh, I have to admit the the reason I came over here was because you were, you told me to. But now that I did it, I feel real good about what I've done. And John Wayne's going like. <laughs> and then the guy rides off and John Wayne gets off his horse and, the, and the, the angel says, I suppose you think your gun is what got this for us, didn't you? And she says, oh no, oh no. It is awesome, isn't it? John Wayne uh, related. You might know this story. Um, There was a guy who was a rascal. Billy Graham's first big um, campaign. And he was doing it in Los Angeles. This guy was a rascal. But Billy Graham became friends with him. And so uh, the Crusades wasn't going so well and so he decided, he was just about decided he was going to quit. Now this guy, it was in Los Angeles, Hawaii, I mean uh, uh, Hollywood. And this guy that he knew was was a radio man. 
He's also an actor that had been in a lot of movies. He was a, had been a stuntman. He had done all kinds of things, but he had a radio show. So one time at four o'clock in the morning, Billy Graham gets a phone call from him and he says, I need, I need Jesus. Can you come over and tell me what, uh, can you come over and talk to me? And so Billy Graham goes over there and leads this guy to the Lord. And uh, Joe could tell you his name. Joe, what's his name? Yeah, that's Stuart Hamlin. Country singer. Stuart Hamler had his own radio show and he gets saved. And he starts talking about the Crusades and the next thing you know, the stadium was filled. Anyway, Stuart Hamlin's walking in the lobby and uh, the hotel and John Wayne comes up on him. And he says, I heard you got religion. And he says, uh, the guy says, well, it's no secret what God can do. And then John Wayne says, that sounds like a song. You ought to write, a, write that to a song. And Stuart Hamlin wrote the song. It is no secret what God can do. What he's done for others, he'll do for you. With arms out open. Yeah. Yeah. John Wayne. Before he died, he confessed Jesus to be his Lord. Hallelujah. Rick Humbard went over to pray with him. Hallelujah. Amen. Thank you, Lord, for loving us. For all that you've done for us, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Lord, we love you. Lord, you can't make us love you if we don't. You can't make our hearts feel what we want. But God, when we see you, Jesus, when we see your face, and we have learned what you have done for us. We love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. Hallelujah.